And so now it gives me great pleasure to introduce our speaker for today, our spiritual director, someone who really brings the the meaning and the idea of Christmas to us each and every week, Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. Merry Christmas to you. So um, this is um, quite a beautiful, wonderful uh, morning. There were about over 300 people here last night, and it was quite an amazing event. And, uh, and as you walk in, you capture that vibration. And what I want to do right now is let's do an opening prayer, and then we'll, why don't we do that? And then we're going to change things up a little bit. We've got a bit more music to share, and then I've got a story I want to share. But let's do our prayer first. And if you'd like to stand and sing with me, that'd be great. And if not, please stay seated. <clears throat> In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power. To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room In this very room. And so I invite you to know with me in this moment, in this season of light, as the light starts to return to the earth, it is that metaphor for the light to return to us, to light that sacred candle within, to give birth to the, the Christ consciousness, so readily and aptly available to each and every one of us. And it is a consciousness reflected in the qualities of unconditional love, of forgiveness, of compassion, of healing, of caring, of generosity of spirit. And so I give thanks for all those things I've just articulated. I give thanks for our volunteers. I give thanks for our practitioners, our ministers. I give thanks for all of my teachers that continue to appear each and every day. I give thanks for our musicians who are here this morning in celebration of song, sharing in their gifts. As I look back over the, the last year and, and watch the refinement of skills and the, the sharing of those gifts and talents in every good way, I'm grateful. So in gratitude and appreciation, I know that that outpouring of life continues that we, as we step into that flow individually and collectively. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to say goodbye with great love to 2011 and to welcome 2012. 366 days of richer living. <clears throat> I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Thank you. Let's, let's sing, guys. What are we singing next? I'm sure that many of you are familiar with a, an old movie called It's a Wonderful Life. Who, who has seen that movie before? Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And you will remember then the character George Bailey, and he just, he just kept putting his life aside so that he could do stuff for everybody else. And then one morning he just found himself in despair, standing on a bridge, thinking, 
man, I just can't do this any longer. But turns out he could, because the movie ended very happily, if you recall. But this is a song about George Bailey.
George Bailey. No more waiting. No more waiting. No more waiting. No more The next song, we're just actually all going to leave the, sta the stage, except for Brian McLeod. He's going to feature something. Bye. See you guys later. Thank you. I love you, too. I appreciate that. This song is called Winter Song by uh, Sarah Borales and Ingrid Michelson. This is my winter song to you The storm is coming soon It rolls in from the sea My love a beacon in the night My words will be your light To carry you to me is love alive? Is love alive? Is love? They say we're buried far Just like a distant star That I cannot hold They say that things just cannot grow Beneath the winter snow Or so I have been told is love alive? Is love alive? Is love alive? This is my winter song December never felt so wrong Cause you're not where you belong Inside my arms I still believe in summer days The seasons always change And life will find a way I'll be your harvester of light And send it out tonight So we can start again Is love alive? Is love alive? Is love alive? This is my winter song December never felt so wrong Cause you're not where you belong Inside my arms 
This is my winter song to you. The storm is coming soon. It rolls in from the sea. My love, a beacon in the night. My words will be your light to carry you to me. Is love alive? 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 Thank you. Thank you, Brian. You okay? I think love is alive. You know, actually, um, it's, it, is, it is interesting because I was just reading something yesterday that uh, Christmas time, right after Christmas time, there's a really high incidence of people making their transition. And, um, and, it, and it can be a difficult time for people this time of year, especially if you're feeling disconnected. So when Brian was singing that, I thought, you know, I hadn't even considered that so much because I'm, I'm immersed in this community and there's so much love that's, that's so readily available, so much support and, and affirmation of life. So I think it is something to be, to be mindful of and, to, and perhaps one of the greatest gifts we can share this, in this season is uh, uh, being mindful of that wherever love is needed. So this is, uh, I, I was reflecting back on, on a, a couple of things uh, uh, this year because it's, we will, I won't be here next uh, week. Reverend Connie will be here. We're going to take a little break. And we thought we would go warm up, but it doesn't get much warmer than this anywhere, does it? This is pretty cool. So, uh, but uh, I was thinking about, uh, last night, uh, Leslie brought her mom. And so as they were leaving, I said, you know, I love your daughter. And she goes, I know, I'm keeping an eye on you. And I said, no, I mean, I have great affection for your daughter. She says, I know, I'm keeping an eye on you. I said, okay. <laughs> oh. And then about two weeks ago when Belle, you were traveling or something, someone said, what happened to Belle? Did you fire her? And I said, my talk told Belle. I said, well, not yet. Belle, I haven't, but I just thought, no, you know, people do take breaks and go places and... But it's been, a, it's been a, uh, a, an amazing year. And so what I wanted to do, because I just thought it, it, it uh, last night was, was, we weaved a story with music so beautifully. And our, our candle lighting was really quite sweet. And uh, the, the amazing thing, too, is that out of over 300 people, I think I knew about 50 people. I don't know where people come from. It's just the neatest thing. The people know we're doing this on Christmas Eve, and they just show up. And, and I said, well, I'll see you on Easter, or I'll see you next Christmas, one way or the other. So this is a story that I read last year called My Penguin Osbert, and it's very metaphysical. So I'm going to stop in the middle a little bit, and then we'll, we'll have some more music. Uh, but uh, I'll stop and, and, and expand a bit on the ideas. When I complete the story, then we'll have some more music. Not in the middle of the... Just to give the musicians a heads up that they're not going to be running up here or need to in, in the story. So this year, it's the story of Osbert, My Penguin Osbert. This year, I was very specific in my letter to Santa Claus. We've had a few misunderstandings in the past. 
For instance, last year I asked for a fire engine red race car with a detachable roof, a lightning bolt on the side, and retractable headlights, and he did get me one. But it was only three inches long. And this is what we teach in our teaching. We have to be specific, and not, but not outline. Isn't that interesting? So be specific. What does that mean? Be specific, but don't outline. It means that it's, it, to also include in our, our prayer work that it, it's this or something better. And so he got his race car. It was just much smaller than he had anticipated. And the year before, I had really wanted a trampoline. I wasn't sure how to spell it, so in my letter, I just sort of described what I wanted. Santa sent me a pogo stick. So once again, be more specific. So, so th- this year, I was really, really careful. I wrote Santa a long letter and told him that I would like to have my own pet penguin. Not a stuffed penguin, but a real one from Antarctica. And I told him my penguin should be one foot tall, white and black with a yellow beak, and his name should be Osberg. I included a drawing. See, now he's getting very specific in the intention he is setting. I put extra postage on the envelope, and I sent it off a whole month early, and then I waited. When Christmas morning came, I was the first one downstairs. And there he was. He was black and white with a yellow beak and exactly 12 inches tall. He was moving and breathing and everything. Around his neck was a tag, and it said, Hello, my name is Osbert. Santa had come through at last. So here's the demonstration. Set the intention. Kept refining and refining and refining. Finally got exactly what he wanted. He said, I wanted Osbert to meet everyone. Isn't that true, though? When we have, we have, like, you see a great movie and you want everybody to go see it with you, or you read a great book, you say, I've got to read this book. I mean, that's kind of my whole thing. I, you know, I, I remember, you know, I, I won't go there. Anyway. <laughs> so I wanted to take him to my room. Plus, I wanted to open my other presents. But Osbert really wanted to go outside and play. It was pretty cold and kind of windy, too. There was a foot or two of snow on the ground and no sun. But I, but I had asked for Osbert, and now I had him. So we went outside. So isn't this true? We get what we want, and it shows up, and all of a sudden our agenda changes. If you've ever had children, this is a great example of it as well. <laughs> Life is never the same. So what they did, we played powder sl- power slide and wrecked the igloo. We had snowball fights and made ice penguins. We escaped from the jaws of imaginary leopard seals. Osbert wanted to go swimming, but I explained to him that might not be possible. So we sang some of the old penguin songs as well. You know some of the old penguin songs. <laughs> ah. Ah. We could work on that for next Christmas, maybe. A couple of penguin songs that the congregation will know. That night I was ready to go straight to bed, and we'd had such a big day, but Osbert wanted to take a bath. So we filled the tub to the very top, and we got in. Osbert unwrapped all the bars of soap and floated them around like icebergs. After a while, I had pruned fingers, and my skin itched from all the soap. But I had asked for Osbert, and now I had him. And Osbert liked playing in a cold bath. The next morning, Mom said she'd make anything I wanted for breakfast. When I closed my eyes, I saw a stack of chocolate chip waffles with heated syrup, a platter piled high with fried sausage, and an icy picture of freshly squeezed mango juice. But Osbert didn't like rich food, and he doesn't like hot food, and he doesn't like sweet food. Osbert wanted cold creamed herring with seaweed jam for breakfast. So that's what we had. After breakfast, it was my turn to do chores, so I did the dishes and I went upstairs to clean my room. 
When I came back down, I saw that Osbert had built had been working too. He had built an entire village out of freezer pops, frozen leftovers, and tubs of ice cream. Osbert, of course, couldn't hold a towel with his, in his flippers, but I had asked for Osbert, and now I had him. So I cleaned up the mess myself. So now all of a sudden, the enthousi- can you tell the enthusiasm he had about Osbert is waning a little bit? So once again, be careful what you pray for. That afternoon when Osbert was watching the Weather Channel on cable TV, I secretly wrote Santa another letter. Dear Santa, how are you and Mrs. Claus? We are fine. Thank you for the great penguin named Osbert. We take cold baths together and we have creamed herring for breakfast. I'm getting used to spending all day in the snow. Plus, it turns out I didn't have frostbite after all. Your friend, Joe. P.S. One more thing, Santa. If you feel like maybe I should have asked for a different present and you want to swap, that would be okay. (laughs) And while Osbert was leafing through a snow globe catalog, I snuck out and I mailed the letter. A couple of days later, I woke up, uh, days later, I woke up to find a package at the foot of my bed. There was a tag with my name on it, signed Santa. Inside the box was a red pullover sweater and two free passes to the grand opening of Antarctic World at the zoo. After Osbert made a shrimp sculpture out of the wrapping paper, he wanted to go right away but he didn't want to take the bus. The zoo was a long way away, but I had asked for Osbert, and now I had him. So we walked. When we got to Antarctic World, Osbert headed straight for the Penguin Palace. There was a huge snowy hill with an ice slide leading down to a big pool, and there were leopard seals painted on the walls, tiny bergs of real ice were floating in the water, and then a door opened in the wall, and a guy came out and started tossing creamed herring to all the penguins. When it got to be closing time, I told Osbert we had to leave. He waddled over to me, but I knew he felt at home in the Penguin Palace. It had everything he needed. Osbert was the first Christmas present Santa had ever gave me that I really wanted. And I asked for Osbert, and I had gotten him. But Osbert needed ice slides and leopard seals and plenty of herring. And I asked him if he would be happier living in the Penguin Palace. Osbert looked into my eyes, and then he nodded. It was lonely, a little lonely at home without Osbert, and my new sweater itched my neck a little bit, right under my chin. But it's nice to be warm, and I had chocolate chip waffles for breakfast. Next Saturday is kids' visit free day at Antarctic World. I don't have bus fare, but I can walk, I can wear my red sweater, so Osbert will be sure to recognize me. And next Christmas is only 11 months away. I thought about it a lot, and I already know what I want. I'm sure I can't get into too much trouble with just one helicopter. <laughs> but it's a, great, it's a great story, Osbert the Penguin. It's a great story about uh, uh, setting an intention, manifesting the intention, and then realizing this may not be what I want. And a great, and a great uh, lesson for all of us to understand that when that happens, we can change our minds. And we can look at it. And, we can, and also that the infinite always provides the universe, this, this, this divine intelligence that we live in, always provides the opportunities to help bring things back into balance, to help all of us find our rightful place. Because Osbert didn't belong in that home with this little boy. And through, and the, and through trial and error, and through life experience, found the rightful place. And so I just think it's such a great, wonderful story. So many people asked me this year if I was going to read Osbert again, and I thought, yeah, I will. And I thought Christmas morning is a perfect time to share that story. 
So, you know, for all of us, we are all in, we are all immersed in this infinite intelligence, and we're, we're writing our, our request. I think Santa Claus really is a metaphor for, for the infinite, for the divine. And that's, it's one way, we see it in our mythology. We see it in the, in the stories that we create. And so, where we are as a result of that, of us using that law, individual, the individual use of the creative process within the individual, which is what Dr. Holmes talked about. And, and our spiritual journey, our, our journey along the way, is really a, of refining that and continuing to refine that. I've been reading a, a story about Abraham Lincoln called A Team of Rivals. And uh, it's a story of the people that he brought onto his cabinet. Actually, it's a story of how he was elected and, and uh, what shaped him and the story of his cabinet. And he brought onto his cabinet all of his rivals, all the people that he ran against for political office. It's by Doris uh, Goodwin Kearns, and she won a Pulitzer Prize for it. So it's a book that's been around for a number of years. But um, I marvel at the amount of hatred that people had politically for Abraham Lincoln. And I'm in the part of the book where he's, he's writing the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing all the slaves. And it's fascinating to look back 100 years, or a little, well, I guess 150 years now, and realize that that idea was so volatile. And, but he held fast to what he knew was right. And he, took his, he was very patient. He was probably patient to a fault. But at the time, he, he, was, that, he was that touchstone of, of clarity. He was clear about what he stood for. And he, and he knew that he wanted to... He knew that what was the status quo was not in alignment with, it may have been in alignment with man's laws, but it wasn't in, in, in alignment with the heavenly laws. And for him to stand in that and to, and to, and to listen to, because it's so well chronicled and detailed, of the, all the people that, that attacked him personally and, and had such, held him in such low regard <clears throat> because he could possibly think about the equality of, of, uh, of this, the races, was just unheard of for some people and it frightened others and he was trying to hold in what he was really trying to do as well was hold the union together because many of the states wanted to and that's what how it led to the civil war but there were states after the war broke out that that began to shift because of the decisions he made but his courage and his vision is an inspiration and and I it reminds me so much of for us when we find what's precious to us and what's sacred to us um, and the life of the birth of the Christ is, is such another great example of, of that possibility. You know, you know how the story ends for him. But he came with a new idea. You know, he came with a new possibility. He came talking unconditional love, which is what Lincoln was doing. That all people deserve an opportunity. And his consciousness throughout it evolved as well. At, at the point where he proclaimed the Emancipation Proclamation, he said... Um, uh, he said, well, maybe we'll, all the people of color that have been slaves in this country, they can, they can now go and we can send them to Central America, or we can send them back to Africa. Not because he wanted to get rid of people, he just thought that's probably what they want. And there had been generation after generation born in the, in the United States, and they went to him finally. He brought a group into the White House, which is the first time people of color had ever been in the White House. And he said, uh, and they said to him, no, we love this country. We don't want to go anywhere. But it never occurred to Lincoln. And so he evolved as he developed a relationship and he got to know that he spent time with these people and he understood and he said, what is it that, that you want? So <clears throat> it's fascinating to read because we're all works in progress. Even someone that is, that is so revered as one of the greatest leaders the world has ever seen, Abraham Lincoln, was so, was so um, assaulted 
as, a, as someone that was horrific for many people, the perception of that. And so I think it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, we start a new year. And going into the new year, we're going to look at the, the first book we're going to use is the 365 Days of Richer Living. But it really is about, for all of us on this journey of consciousness, of continuing to filter and continuing to get clear about what our vision is, what's most important to us. And I mentioned a few weeks ago that, you know, what three things can you get done this year that are really, really important and precious to you? And maybe you don't know right now, but we're all capable of those, at least three, seems to be the conventional wisdom. And it's exciting. It's exciting to be part of this movement and, the, and people that, that are, are changing the world and challenging the status quo of our own thinking. Is this the highest idea I can come up with right now? Is this the largest expression? And that's what, and getting back to Lincoln, that's what Lincoln had to do. He kept bringing himself back to the preservation of the Union and, and understanding how powerful it was and how important it was for the totality, for the sum total of everyone. And how to bring all those various factions together and have a conversation. A lot of times when people were really attacking him, he'd, all, he'd bring them all together and have a conversation with them. And then they would talk about it. And he had this ability to just filter it all and listen to it. And just hold it. It was remarkable. It was remarkable. Every once in a while he'd get upset. And he'd, get a, he, uh, he'd, he would, he'd lose it. But uh, an amazing, amazing man. And so it's an example, it's a stretch for all of us to, to reach for that in our own journey of, of, of creation. This year, this year coming will be, this year will be what you make it. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically. It's just the way it works. And yet it's our opportunity to understand how, how, how disconnected or disenfranchised we may feel in this moment. That's not, uh, we're not stuck there. And I love that. And there are people that understand there's wisdom out there. There's mentors and there's teachers and there's inspirations. Uh, there's books to, to read that inspire us and realize, wow, this is amazing stuff. So it's a, it is a wonderful life. You know, 10 years ago we put up that something wonderful is happening here. And it is. I watched the incremental shifts and changes for people. Uh, and, the, and, the, and people's growth and deepening. And I watch. You know, in all of our environments, it's, it's what Lincoln went through. We all go through that on a smaller scale in our own lives. Those voices within and, the, and the, those, those critical parents we have around us and within us. And yet they're there to help us refine the consciousness. Refine the consciousness. So as, uh, as this boy found out asking for the penguin, he got what he wanted. And he found out, I don't think I want this. But isn't that a wonderful thing? Because it helps shape us. And it helps us use these tools and skills that we have metaphysically and, and emotionally to move us into a, a different consciousness where our tendency is to get angry or frustrated at times it, eventually to look at that and say you know is this serving me well is this really what I want to be in the world is this what I be, want to be with myself or to, be, to fall into to being a victim or, to, or whatever you know, those categories are they're all there to guide us and resources and to master them and elevate our consciousness around those things so I, I thank you for being part of this. I thank you for being part of this amazing, uh, mysterious process of spiritual community, of this metaphysical teaching that just is always, you know, we're, we're, wherever our consciousness takes us, there we are. And it's always our opportunity at the end of it, at the end of all of the, the filtering to do, our, to do with the, next work, the next bit of work that's available to us. So I just, I, I stand here in such great gratitude for, 
for what we represent as a, as a movement. You know, we're people that shape the world. We believe, as, as I said last night, you know, Jesus didn't say when he left that, you know, hey, you guys hang out till I get back. <clears throat> you know, wait, just wait around. I'll be back and I'll save everybody. No, he said, you're the light of the world. These things I have done, you shall do an even greater. He was talking to you and I. He was talking about the creative process in the individual and the refinement of consciousness. And, and there's many paths to do that. And it's exciting to be part of that. And it's easy to forget sometimes. And that's why we come back together to remind one another. You remind me, and I remind you. That's a beautiful thing. So I thank you so much for your support, love, your consciousness.